right, awesome. Uh, well, welcome, guys. If this is your first time here, my name is Josh. This is Resonate. Uh, we just got through with a series, or rather, this is the last week of a series called Conversations, where we've been walking through what it means to actually have conversations and not debates about some really hot topics. And uh, like another reason, I mean, improv class included, that I'm proud of our church, is that over this series, we brought together these panels of people, and we covered some topics that, like, ordinarily in church, like, they wouldn't really want to touch, which was awesome. And I still have a job, and most of you are still here, so we got through it okay, thank God, almighty. <laughs> uh, we did things like politics, we did uh, stages of faith, we did an interdenominational discussion on the future of the church, that one's a mouthful. Um, and, I mean, we just got to cover some really, really awesome stuff. And last week, as the last panel, uh, we talked about service, which is super important to me. Do we still have that infographic, Sean? If we could pop that up. Um, one of the ways that we decentralize church, because we're arrows out, not arrows in. So if you remember the thing that, yeah, there it is. Uh, service is one of our main, main core values here at Resonate. And so it was amazing. We had uh, three individuals come here. We had Sid, we had Sarah, um, and we had Christina, and they're from the People's Concern, and Better Youth, and uh, also Harvest Home. And we have their emails, too. Yeah, there we go. If you're interested in helping out with any of these organizations, you can uh, hit these people up who were on the panel last week, because uh, there's so much good to be done in all of these, and we want to encourage us, especially over the summer. This is a great time and excuse to really get out there and do these things. And each one of those service organizations is just so deeply powerful and what they're doing. Another easier way for you to get involved is on your um, community card right in front of you. There's an email address that says info at resonate.church and you can just write in uh, People's Concern or you can write in Better Youth or you can write in Harvest Home and I can get in contact with you and link you uh, guys together. Um, or you can just write that on your, uh, your card and we can, we can figure that out. So uh, I pray that you will do that because uh, what we learned last week from these people was really, really profound and I just, want us to be known as a church uh, that does so much more outside of this space than in this space. And so that's one of the key ways we're going to do that. Um, we're going to talk about what it means to serve, but this morning I really want to talk about what it means to serve in our daily lives. So what does it mean to be in service when you're at the gas station, when you're in traffic and want to rip someone's head off, when you're in the grocery store? when you want to rip someone's head up, yeah, and uh, just in general, like how do we do this in everyday life? How do we take the principles that they were talking about and just take that into our lives? Some of the common themes that I heard that were so beautiful was uh, they kept bringing up this fact that if we could only just treat each other with dignity, if we could only just treat our fellow man like a human being and look them in the eye, then so much is going to change. And I heard that from each one of them in a different sort of a way. And it just hit me, and I was like, that's what it's all about. And that's what this faith is all about. I believe that the Christian faith is about two things, limping and dancing. And service has to do with both of those, and we're going to unpack that this morning. Before we do, uh, I'd love to just pray for us. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much uh, for this space, for this church. Uh, I thank you for the panel and the discussion series that we did, Lord, uh, that we took risks, that we swung real hard, and that that paid off, and it was a great experience for us all. I pray that you would carry us through, even the summer, even into the fall, uh, holding that posture of conversation and not debate, and understanding that we can engage people, and that's how minds are changed and opened up. And so I just pray, uh, as we wrap this up today, that you'd be with me, Lord, um, and that as we talk about what it means to limp and dance in your kingdom, uh, you'd be a part of that in every single way. 
Amen. Um, so, uh, when I got accepted into seminary, uh, I had to do something drastic. It was a terrible thing. I had to sign this statement of faith. So that's not so bad. <laughs> First of all, I did sign it. Uh, you have to sign this statement of faith when you get in that basically says, like, hey, you're going to live like a pastor would, or you're going to live like a good Christian person. Like, you know, so there's, there's a whole list of things that they said. This is Southern Baptist School, so we're on, like, hardcore, like, yeah. Anyway, I'm going down the line. It's like, don't, you know, don't kill anyone. That's fine. Don't, uh, do not commit adultery. That's fine. Pretty much the Ten Commandments. You go down to the bottom. Everything is looking good. I'm checking it off. I'm like, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. Get down to the bottom, and it says... Do not drink alcohol. And I was like, well, that's a huge bummer, but I guess I got to sign this. And then I get one further down, and it says, you cannot dance. And that's when I went, those are the two things I'm best at, <laughs> drinking and dancing. And you're going to take that away. So my first act as a seminary student was to lie and sign the statement of faith. <laughs> so I was like, I am going to dance right through this seminary experience. Uh, but I love dancing. In fact, uh, I was a very nerdy child and took a lot of different dance lessons, including swing dance lessons, which I made my parents pay for. Like, they were like, are you sure you want it? And I was like, yes, I'm going to do this. Uh, this is a picture of me in seventh grade at a bar mitzvah. Yeah. You can say I'm living my bliss. Like, absolutely, this is where I'm happiest in life. Uh, so fast forward a couple years from this, but keep this in mind. Uh, I'm at a wedding. It's a friend's wedding. And uh, we're all hanging out. It's this beautiful gathering, and, and we're close to these friends. And uh, there's this dance floor. And naturally, uh, if you've been to a wedding with me, I apologize. I tend to bogart that dance floor, like, get away from me, Josh. Sean can attest to that up there in the booth. Yeah, confirmed. Um, and so I was, you know, I'm doing my thing, moonwalks included. Uh, but my swing dance element will come out towards the end. And if my sister and I are ever at the same wedding, we'll get this idea like locked in, like we got this. And what we'll do is she will come running towards me and like a pro, I will flip her this way and then flip her this way and then we'll go back down for a little spin and then everyone's like, and you've commanded the dance floor, mission accomplished. Now, my sister is this tall. And as you know, I mean, these lights are kind of hiding it, but I'm a very strong man. <laughs> uh, so she's about this tall, and uh, I can handle that just fine. Now, at this particular wedding, I got the same idea in my head, like, we're going to do this, and I'm going to find someone to do this with. Uh, I had started dancing with uh, the groom's sister. She's a really good dancer. I was like, this is awesome. This is going really well. And we start easing into, like, a little swing dance thing, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this could be it. We could do it. And so I explained to her what, what I wanted to accomplish, and uh, she was at a wedding and had, you know, uh, had some liquid courage and was like, let's do this. <laughs> and so I convinced her to do it and we attempt said maneuver. And let me tell you guys, she comes this way, perfect. Then this way, shoo! <laughs> and I feel, no lie, an emptiness I've never felt before. She, right here, is completely empty. And as I look back, there's a human being four feet in the air. And she comes towering and slamming down to the ground. Talk about dancing and limping, right? Uh, so needless to say, that was a flub, but you know, a couple dance moves later and we'd all forgotten about it and it was all good. But I did have to apologize to her to the next day and she did uh, suffer some back aches. So oops, lesson learned. <laughs> I will not do that with anyone over this tall. Um, but see, weddings and dancing and, and joy, those are all a part of the Christian faith. What we're going to talk about later today is the idea uh, that, that dancing and celebration are all a part of that. This is really funny. I met with the strategy team this week, and we were going through what we wanted to do through the summer, and I'm going to set this up, uh, and we'll hear all about the series. 
But I came in hot and I was like, guys, I want to do something about like celebration and joy and like awesomeness. And we start there and we ended with a series title called Faith is Hard. <laughs> I was like, well, this is a bummer. Um, we're going to insert as much joy into that and the title's changed. So it's all good. Uh, but I, I think that, that Jesus really does call us in community settings to celebrate and to be together in community. So much so uh, that his first act is in a wedding. This is out of John 2. Um, and so just like that wedding where I dropped someone, this is uh, Jesus keeping the party going. So in John 2 it says, uh, on the third day there was a wedding in Canaan of Galilee. I want you guys to hold on to that phrase, on the third day. Uh, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother said to him, they don't have any wine. And Jesus replied, woman, what does that have to do with me? My time hasn't come yet. If I said that to my mom, I would get punched. Uh, next. Uh, his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby were six stone water jars. These are massive stone water jars uh, used for the Jewish cleansing ritual, each able to hold about 20 or 30 gallons. Uh, Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some, uh, draw some from them and take it to the head waiter. And they did. The head waiter tasted the water and it had become wine. And he didn't know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. So let's go back to the first slide, if we can, Sean, so that uh, on the third day. So anytime we see a marker of like time in the Bible, we should pay close attention because it means something. Why would John say on the third day? What was the first day? What was the second day? Well, if you look at John, uh, it starts with these words. It says, in the beginning, there was the word, right? And if you're looking at that, you're like, wait, that sounds really familiar. Where's that from? And if you go to the first book in the Bible, which is Genesis, which we'll hear a story from later, the very first book in the Bible begins the exact same way, in the beginning, in the beginning. So John is already... Uh, putting in a marker for us to say, oh, wait, we're supposed to pay attention. I love, there's this great saying, I don't know if I might butcher it completely, I'm completely paraphrasing, but uh, good artists borrow and great artists steal, right? In this case, a great poet, bar or a good poet borrows, but a great poet steals. What John is doing is he's actually stealing the template from Genesis, because the very next line we have in that scripture in John is on the next day, on the next day, weird. So there's one day, there's two days, then he says on the next day, there's three days, then he says on the next day again, and it's all of these stories that are happening on these days, and there's four of those, and then after that day, it says on the third day. So what do we have? We have seven days. Even more crazy than that, the story of Genesis begins in a garden, in a garden in which Adam and Eve are forced to leave. This is the beginning of the story of humanity and our struggle with sin, and in this story, Funny thing about Jewish weddings at this point was that they were never held indoors and they were always held in a garden. So we have a garden where we leave the story at the very, very beginning, signifying this journey that we're going to go on. But now, in this new book, in this new creation, we have a garden which is the starting point and Jesus' first act to send us out is to prolong the celebration. Prolong the celebration. Even more than that, if you were the host of this wedding, if you were the father and you ran out of wine at your wedding, either one of two things has happened. It's, it's going very, very well. <laughs> or number two, you're going to be shamed. That was a deep shame that they would hold if they just didn't pull this thing off all the way, that the wedding 
ran short and that guests were forced to leave because the wine ran out. So what Jesus does in this moment is exactly what we talked about here on this panel. He gives this man his dignity and saves him from the embarrassment of having to run out of wine. And he doesn't just do it a little bit. If you add up the numbers there, it's about 180 gallons of wine. Good Lord. <laughs> so he, he keeps it going. In this new version of the garden, we are called to prolong the celebration because sometimes we need to dance. About a year ago uh, to the date, uh, Chelsea and I were in, in sort of a weird flex spot where we didn't really know what was going to go on. Uh, Resonate was in a weird spot, and we were looking for other jobs and stuff. And this is all part of our story. We can go to coffee, and I can tell you all about it. But fast forward to the point where we've accepted another position, uh, and it's in a place called Newbury Park. Anybody heard of Newbury Park? Now, I have nothing against the valley, uh, but it is where my friends move and go to die. So I didn't want to move <laughs> to the valley. Uh, and I couldn't figure out why I couldn't shake that feeling. Like, why am I so upset about having to move? This is a good job opportunity. I can't figure it out. And the real reality here was that there was this cushy opportunity uh, to go and work at this church, this large church. And then there was a very difficult reality and, and decision to be made if we wanted to actually take this on, if we wanted to actually continue with Resonate. And in all of it, I was just fried. Like, I was burnt. When you try and plant a church and it struggles and it goes, I mean, it is like giving birth to the worst child ever and it wanting to like fight you at every turn. It's really, really difficult. And I was just at the end of my rope. Well, we took this trip uh, to just go and think and pray and, and think about it. And we were in this hotel room and Chelsea's fast asleep. And for about the first hour, like, I can't sleep. So I'm like, oh, I'll watch a, I'll watch a show. Can't sleep. I'll, I'll read a book. Can't sleep comes into like the third or fourth hour of this and I can't sleep and I'm realizing that every time I close my eyes I'm, I'm literally seeing something that I'm moving away from and not into. Very, very first and foremost was good coffee. I was like, where am I gonna? <laughs> literally, I was losing sleep over stuff like that. But I began to pay attention and I was like, Lord, why am I not able to rest? Why am I not able to rest in this decision? And it was a real marker for me. It, it showed me that in moments like that, God may not be speaking audibly, but if I'm staying awake, tossing and turning over a decision that I've made, maybe, maybe that's God pulling me in the other direction and saying, no, 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 no. That's not what I have for you. That's why you can't rest in that. That's why you can't sleep. And in fact, the opposite of rest, you're now wrestling with me. And you're trying to convince yourself that this is the right way to go. This is the right way to go. And it's not. And you can't keep wrestling. You just won't win. You have to relent. And there's a perfect story about this in the scripture. It has to do with our identity. And it's out of uh, Genesis 32. So that's the book we were talking about uh, before. And we'll read this. This is about Jacob. And a little background on Jacob. Jacob is a man whose name literally means liar. Jacob's name means liar. Because at the beginning of his story... He tricks his brother and his father into giving him the entire inheritance, which is a really sneaky, weird thing to do. And if you're a kid and you grow up in church, we learn these stories like, this is a happy thing. And it's actually a really strange moment in the Bible where someone who has lied and ripped a family apart is then put in a place of like, God's like, I'm going to use you. Only in the scripture would you find stories like this. So Jacob is at a point where he realizes his brother Esau 
who's been after him. He's on the lam. Like, he's running for his life. His brother could very well kill him. But he realizes, I'm never going to be able to outrun him. I'm just, I'm tired of running. And I know the right thing to do is just to confront him and to apologize, to say, I'm sorry. I'm deeply sorry for this. And this happens the night before he's got to run into his brother. Maybe, and every right in, in this ancient context, it could have ended with him being imprisoned or it could have ended with just death. This is a big deal to be walking into. This is something to lose sleep over. So Jacob got up during the night and took his two wives, uh, his two women servants, and his, two, and his 11 sons and crossed the, I'm not even going to pronounce that, Jabbok River's shallow water. Uh, he took them and everything that belonged to him, and then he helped them cross the river. But Jacob stayed apart by himself, and a man wrestled with him until dawn broke. A man. Uh, when, when the man saw that he couldn't defeat Jacob, he grabbed Jacob's thigh and tore a muscle in Jacob's thigh, and he wrestled with him. The man said, let me go, because the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I won't let you go until you bless me. He said to Jacob, what is your name? And that's the part I want to focus on. What is your name? And Jacob then said, uh, he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name won't be Jacob any longer, but Israel. Hashtag, because, because you struggled <laughs> with God and with men and won. Let's not uh, go past the seriousness of this verse. He uh, says, your name won't be Jacob any longer, but Israel, because you struggled with God and men and one. Now the name Israel means to literally wrestle with God or the one who struggles with the divine. In this moment, we don't have to take this literally where Jacob is literally grabbing hold of a man and he's wrestling with him and then he finds out it's God and then God like pops his hip out. But the whole point of this is that like faith, just as much as it is Jesus like literally prolonging the celebration and causing us to dance, there's also a moment in faith where we're actually called to wrestle with our faith, to wrestle with what's around us in this world, and sometimes we may walk away limping. And that is part of the faith journey. As we put this into context with what we talked about in the panel, there are some of us in this room, and there are people that we're gonna encounter in our daily lives who are limping, and that's okay. And there are some of us that are dancing, and that's okay. The Christian faith holds both, and it all happens at this table, which is what we're going to get into in a minute. I was really struck um, with what Tess said uh, as she was moderating the panel at the very end. She said that, uh, you know, if you aren't at a place to serve, so if, if you're sitting here and you're like, no, man, I'm, I don't have anything left to give, if you're like me in that hotel room worrying about what coffee to get, <laughs> if you don't have any thing to give. That's why this place exists. And I think that's really important. We love to send people out and we love to help with these organizations, but really like first and foremost, the church exists as a place of healing. Like that's our service. That's what we do best. And that is when you encounter Jesus and God and stories like this. That is when real healing can occur. It's a beautiful reality because some of us need to dance and some of us need to limp and when we combine those two it's a lot like walking or marching when we combine those two together then we have a healthy walk and when you read the scriptures everything points towards walking with God walk with me 
walk with me. And when Jesus would call his disciples, he would literally say, follow me, walk with me. It was a journey, right? But at some points, there are going to be those of us who just can't go anymore, and there may be those of us who have so much energy, and we are called to help each other. And that goes for outside of this building, too. As we serve people in our daily lives, we need to understand that we have a responsibility to each other, to lift each other up. That's at the core of Jesus' message to us. Love your neighbor. It's radical thinking if you really think about it. Like, if you just think of your physical neighbors, that's enough. But if you think about just every person that you encounter being your neighbor, then the world gets a whole lot bigger and it gets a whole lot more complicated to love. And that's exactly why Jesus puts that caveat at the end where he says, love your neighbor and love your God with all your heart, mind, body, and strength. Because without that peace, loving every single neighbor you come in contact with is going to be very, very difficult. It's the love that we have for Jesus and the, the love that Jesus actually has for us that's what enables us to pour out into the community and into the people. There's this thing in the Catholic faith, if any of you were raised Catholic or if any of you uh, are Catholic, uh, they call communion Eucharist, or when you approach the table, they call it the Paschal Mystery. Has anyone ever heard that term before, Paschal Mystery? So I love this term because it implies, one, mystery. So mystery is something that we can't quite get a hold of to the point that it might even be frightening, right? So we approach this table, this mystery that could scare us, right? But what's more fascinating is that word paschal, and that paschal comes from a Hebrew word and a Greek word called pesa. Pesa. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right, but I, I YouTubed it, and that's what they said to do. <laughs> pesa. Now, pesa is an incredibly fascinating word. It means Passover. So that, it's the Passover mystery. So we're remembering what God has done all throughout history and what Christ has done for us, right? So that's one part of it. But then this word Pesa means this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. It can literally mean both dancing and limping. In its different contexts throughout the Bible, it is used as the word for limp and it is used for the word for dancing. So as we approach this table, we are to do that limping or dancing. And that is the great mystery of the faith that we are in, that all are welcome at this table. And that's why it is so important, and one of our core values is that no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what you think you have done, you are welcome at this table. I remember the first, our little fall launch, uh, October 2nd, I came over the table, and I said that, and I remember putting my hand like this, and instantly, as I said, like, everybody is what, I almost lost it completely. <laughs> it was like, Ugh! Because so much of this table has kept so many people out for so long. But here, we can come dancing, and we can come limping, and we can continue on walking. As we engage in our next series, it's gonna be called Faith is Blank. One of them will be Faith is Hard, so you win, strategy team. <laughs> uh, but it's gonna be called Faith is Blank, and we're gonna fill in that blank every single week, and we're gonna talk about faith is family, or faith is religion, or faith is, like, so there's gonna be a whole range of topics. We're actually gonna decide those topics uh, next week when we come in for Father's Day. Bobby's going to be doing a painting for us, and we're all going to fill out what we believe faith is, or what we have questions about what faith is, in one word or one sentence, and we're gonna pin it to something up here. I'm not quite sure how that's gonna work yet. And then we're gonna take those, and we're gonna craft our series through the summer 
exploring what we want to about faith and what that means. Faith this morning for us, faith is limping and it's dancing. Because if we have faith in that, then at least we know we are limping and dancing in the right direction. So today we're going to uh, come to the table, and there's actually two tables today, and we want to provide a little bit more space, and we're, gonna, um, we're actually going to play a video I think works really, really well in this context, especially with dancing and limping. And as that's going on, uh, you can come up, explore the space, experience communion, and then you can come and sit down. And we're not actually going to do a final song, uh, one, because we have an improv uh, Olympics person here, uh, but two, because I want you guys to be able to write out on the community cars that are there where you think you're at. And you don't have to share this. I'm not asking you to dump that in. In fact, there's envelopes. You could write it on that if you don't feel comfortable sharing that into the community box. Um, but I would love for you just cathartically to write out, right now I feel like I'm in like a, a period of dancing. Or right now I really feel like I'm in a period of limping. And then as we think about what faith is over the next week and we come in next week, deciding what we want to learn about faith, I want us to focus all week on the fact that maybe I am in this limping period, and maybe that's okay. Or maybe I am in this dancing period, and that's okay. In this space, I'm called to be either or. And that's a great, great thing. Uh, so let me pray for us, and then we're going to start the video, and then uh, you guys can come up. You don't even have to worry about rows, because we've got two, so just kind of come up when you're ready. And another caveat to this, if you are not into communion, don't want to do that, that is totally fine. Just stay in your seat. Uh, no one's going to bother you. You can even pull out your phone if you want. It's the international symbol for leave me alone. <laughs> uh, and you can just sit and explore and, and, and just kind of, yeah, have some, uh, have some alone time. So uh, let me pray. Lord, I thank you for the mystery that is relationship with you. Uh, that when we encounter you, things transform in ways. And, and what we talked about with that dignity and humanity, when we encounter you, even if we are in a stage of limping, Lord, you give us that humanity. You call us to be whole. And so you use communities like this to help that happen. And so I pray uh, that this would be a community that lifts each other up. Amen.